We give you glory, Father. We give you honor tonight. We give you praise. We bless your name tonight. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one that created the universe. The one that set everything into motion. The one who sent the Son, His Son, His only Son, to die for us. Lord, we believe in You. And we believe You. We believe Your Word. And Father, we will not be moved. We stand tonight on Your Word. We stand tonight on Your promises. We will not waver back and forth. We will not be double-minded. Father, we believe You. We thank You for it, Father. Thank You for Your goodness, Lord. Thank You for Your goodness. We honor You tonight, Lord Jesus. If you need a... uh, if you need help in the area of finances tonight, I feel impressed the Lord to pray. If you if that's you, just slip up your hand. If you need help in the area of finances, slip up your hand. See somebody with their hand raised, sit, place a hand on them. Father, we stand with these right now. Lord, you know what we have need of before we even ask. And Father, we stand with our brothers right now and believe with them. And Father, I thank You, Lord, that money is on the way right now. In fact, Lord, we loose angels to go and get the money and bring it to us right now for whatever the need is. Because You said, Lord, that You'll supply all of our need. And so we believe You right now. And we cast this care on You. You need to say that out of your mouth. Lord, I cast this care on you. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you you're working on our behalf right now. We thank you for it. You are working. You are working. And you never sleep and you never slumber and you're working. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for divine appointments. Thank you, Lord, for divine connections. We thank you for it tonight, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Lord, I thank I thank you for I thank you for promotion. We thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I believe, I believe we're living in a day where, uh, especially this 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 meeting is special because men gather, and a lot of times in the church you'll see that women are the, have been the prayers and the the women have in the homes, you know, because um, it's in them. God created them to be helpers. And so when there's a need that needs to be filled, they fill that need. And it's not to say that, you know, don't, don't go off and say, you know, that they're less or anything like that. I'm just saying it's in their it's in their DNA to, to be helpers like that. But to me it's special for men to gather together and what I see is a fire in the <laughs> in the hearts of men. And I haven't read the scripture in a long time but it comes to me and, and uh, but it it's ta- it talks about um turning the the hearts of the fathers toward the sons and the sons toward the fathers. And although I appreciate all of you that have showed up tonight, there should be other young men that should be in here. And as God continues to stir our hearts as men, Toward him and the things of God. And we turn to our sons and our, our daughters and to share this fire that's in our hearts with them. And, and it's biblical, and they turn back. And it started. Did you hear me? It, it, this has started. The beginning of it has started. So, if you, if you have a son or daughter that has uh, walked away, we, we used to use the term backslidden. Let's pray for them now. So, if that's you, slip up your hand. Let's pray for them. You see, you see someone with their hand lifted. Again, gather around them. And let's agree together. Here's one up here. Let's agree together that uh, these prodigals are coming home. In the name of Jesus, we loose laborers right now to minister to these ones represented in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that they sow seed into the the hearts of these sons and these daughters in the name of Jesus. Father, we speak Psalm 91 over them. And we ask you to protect them till they come home. And we call them home in Jesus' name. We call them back to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We loose angels 
to minister to them in Jesus' name. And Father, those angels will prick their hearts to say, come home, come home, come home. We say to you, come home in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you for it. And I want to encourage you that even though there may be times in the past where you've said things to them, and maybe they didn't listen or they acted like they didn't listen, don't go by that. We're, we're in a different day. And you continue to press in and pray for them and speak into their life in love. Amen? Because God can do much better than you. Amen. Isn't that right? And so Jesus says, well, you know, loose laborers. You know, one, one sows, one waters, one reaps. You don't care how they come home, but that they come home. Isn't that right? Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you that you care about us. Thank you you love us. You care about our kids. You care about every part of our life tonight. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Father. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, give two or three people a high five. Say, I'm glad you're here tonight. Glad you're here tonight. Well, they... Uh, Switch things around in here, and, and so uh, I said, well, you know, I can, if they don't like what I have to say, I can run out the back door, so <laughs> I, I'm not going to give you my signal that I told Freddie I'd, you know, but start the car and get things rolling out there. And <laughs> well, has it been all year we've been talking about excellence in ministry? I know for... For months, and uh, how many of you were at the men's retreat and heard Dr. Savell? He did a great job. Um, and so, when Pastor asked me to to uh, do this meeting, I, I got out my notes from that um, couple days, and so I just want to repeat one of the things that he said about excellence. And one of the definitions is doing the very best you can with the gifts and talents and abilities God's given you and doing it to the glory of God. Amen. Doing the very best you can with the gifts and talents and abilities God's given you and doing it to the glory of God. I want to uh, point out a couple things tonight. Um, he talked about some enemies of excellence. And I want to point out one of those tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10... In verse 12, it says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. A lot of... <laughs> the New Living Translation says it like this, But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. So I ask you tonight, what standard of measurement are you using to compare yourself? If excellence is doing the very best you can with the gifts, talents, and abilities God's given you 
and doing it to the glory of God, what standard of measurement are you using to compare yourself? Because if you're comparing yourselves with themselves, then you can get into a situation where if you're, if you're in an environment where there's not excellence, then you can succumb to that environment and say, well, and, and this, is the, this is the thing is, well, I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Drew, my son, he's at Kenneth Copeland Bible College in his second year. Well, when he got into high school, um, I had traveled a lot when he was young and um, all over the country. And I was probably gone five, or, five to six months out of the year for meetings, you know, to, to work with sales reps and uh, meetings, to plan meetings, to plan meetings. And it was just all the time. And so um, by the time he got in high school, I was done with that. And I had started my own business. And um, one of the things that I'd always wanted to do was coach. And so I went to the coach at the local high school and I said, hey, you know, uh, here's, here's my background. Here's my son. I said, I, you know, I'd like to bring him over to this school, um, but it's a package deal. <laughs> you know, and uh, you take me as one of your coaches. <laughs> and, uh, well, they knew us, and so it was, it was easy, and, and they did. It wasn't like it was begrudging or anything like that. It was, it was just a thing that God worked out. And so I was able to coach him uh, three years in high school. And I would uh, watch him in practice where, you know, there's conditioning. We used to call them, you had to run suicides, but you got to start the baseline, touch the foul line, touch the baseline, touch the half court line, touch the baseline, touch the other foul line, touch the baseline, touch the other baseline, touch the baseline, timed. And I don't care who you are, nobody likes doing that. There's always somebody, who, who likes conditioning? There's always one nut that would go, oh. <laughs> but, but you realize, you know, as an athlete, that you got to do that kind of stuff to, if you want to win. Because what's the next team doing down the street? So am I going to be uh, prepare myself to be in better shape than the next team down the street? Because that's what I can control. You know, I can control that, what I do. And so I would get upset with him, not because of his stats, you know, whether he had so many points in a game. To me, that wasn't the most important thing because I was looking at at his gifts, his talents, and his abilities that God had given him. And I wanted him to do the very best and in his effort is what he could control. And so when I would see him not give his best effort because there were other guys that weren't giving their best effort. And so after all, you know, if I'm looking around, well, Dad, you know, I, I, I mean, I finished fourth. I mean, that, that other kid's the best kid on the team, and he was second to last. That's not important. What's important is that you do your best. And so... I was big on him. I said, where I don't care about your stats. I don't care how many points you score. I care about you doing the things that you know to do and giving your best. And if you do your best and you score 20 points, great. If you do your best 
and you had six points, great. I don't care about that. I care about you doing your best. Why? So that you can get your name in the paper? No. So that you give glory to God in the gifts and talents and abilities that God's put on the inside of you that you do your best with. That's it. And that's what really we're all responsible for, is the things that God's put on the inside of us to do our best with. And uh, that's what this, this word excellence is talking about. God's people should uphold the highest standard in every area of life. And uh, I remember, you know, when I first, we first moved to Michigan from Alabama, Nikki and I, and we got involved with her dad being the pastor in his ministry. And I remember as a pastor, he would talk about how people would call him because people in the church wanted to use him as a reference because they were going to go out and, and uh, search for a job or try to find a different job. And so the people would call him and say, what do you think about him? <laughs> and uh, anyway, <laughs> he, w- he wouldn't lie to people. <laughs> After all, he's a pastor. You know, and uh, so he, w- he wouldn't sugarcoat things. And so he would say what, where, where he, was, he would see. And so, but I think, but I think it's, you know, a discredit to the body of Christ when an employer says, somebody says, well, they go to church, but they're not one of their best. We ought, in other words, we ought to be the best workers in every place of business that there is. Because we're doing our best because, because the excellent one lives on the inside of us and we're doing our best to represent him with our talents, gifts, and abilities and so, but if we let the, the, the work environment get on us, now we start comparing ourselves to themselves and, you know, um, up there, there's, there, I don't know what, how it is down here because I, uh, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm kind of on my own, but, you know, there's a lot of unions and things up there. Well, there would be people, a lot of factories, and so there would be people that, are people that would go and work hard and other people that would go, why are you working so hard? We're, we all get paid the same. You're making us look bad. <laughs> and so with excellence comes persecution. And are we willing to rise above that persecution, not just in the workplace, but in other areas? You don't think that, you know, everybody desires, God wants you to prosper. And and if, if you're in church where prosperity is being preached and you believe that you want to prosper but start prospering and then people go oh oh you think you're a big shot because you're driving that then then let's see you know where (laughs) where you're at with that there comes persecution jesus said you'll be persecuted for prospering you know (laughs) so if you're going to allow the standards of society to dictate your excellence then you're not going to live up to the, what, the excellence that God's put on the inside of you and the standard that He wants you to meet. So when you get into comparing yourself with themselves, like that scripture said, you will settle for good enough, which is an enemy of excellence. Good enough. 
Well, that's good enough. And what good enough is saying is, it's a standard that is acceptable, but not the highest standard. I don't know, Freddie, where are my keys at? (laughs) My dad used to always say, son, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. He would tell me this, and no matter whatever I did, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Because why? Because I want to try to cut a corner. But you start cutting corners. But son, if something's worth doing, yeah, yeah, I know, it's worth doing well. But then when I had a son, guess what? When he started trying to cut corners, guess what was coming out of my mouth? Son, if something's worth, oh man, I'm my dad now, I don't know. (laughs) It's worth doing well. You know, Nikki worked on me for years and years about the last one out of the bed has to make the bed. Now, I think she came up with this rule because she was the early riser in the group. And so there would be mornings where, uh, you know, she'd be up before me almost every day. But there would be mornings where I'd, you know, I'd kind of come to and wake and that's and I feel her stirring, and I pop up out of bed. <laughs> so I didn't have to make the bed. But the thing with making the bed is, you know, you can't have any ruffles. You got to take your nine pillows that you can't put your head on. You can't ever sleep on those pillows. I don't know what these pillows are about. But they got to go on the pillow. You got you got your three pillows in the back. Then you got your two pillows with the shams on them. Is that what they call them? Shams. And then and then the pillows that that sit in front of them. And then you go. Then you got the colored pillows that sit in front of them. And it's just a stack of pillows. Nobody knows why there's so many pillows. And then you got to karate chop the pillow. Right in the middle, so there's a crease. Now I'm fine not having any of the pillows, but Nikki set the standard for making the bed. Now when Nikki's gone, so I begin to think about this because she's gone right now. She's in Michigan. And so the other day she was gone, I'm like, well, you know, I'm make the bed. And I remember, you know, so I called my dad and I said, Dad, you know, Mom died in 04, and uh, she was 53. And so I remember Dad just, I mean, you know, it was like, I wondered how he was dealing with all this. So anyway, Nikki was gone. I was, th- so I started thinking about my dad. Son, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I'm starting to make the bed. And, well, one of the... You know, the spread was like angled up, so I'm straightening that out. And, and there's all the pillows on the floor. You know, I'll put the pillows on. So it was about, for me, I started thinking about, so was I doing all of this so I wouldn't get yelled at? Or was I doing this because on the inside of me, there's, ex- there's an excellent spirit. That's good. So when no one's watching, right. 
can I walk in and live with the mess of a bed with the covers, you know, undone and, and pillows spread everywhere? And can I, can I live with that? Because all this stuff, the environment that we live in is a making of what's on the inside of us. So if we're willing to live with it, then it'll stay like that. But if we're pursuing more than enough instead of good enough, there was a book that came out in the corporate world, and I read it years ago, and and I I, I thought about it, and and, um, as I was, the Lord was ministering this message to me, and I didn't get a chance to get it out, but it was a book called Good to Great. And there was a lot of good companies. That were, they were good companies, but they never made it to great. But there were some things that, the, that good companies did, little things. It was the little things that made them great. And so it was those little things. And God's in the detail. If you don't think God's in the detail, it's not about personality. You look at what he told Noah how to build the ark. Detail. The, the ark of the covenant. Detail. All this stuff that God put in the scripture there it heaven detail so he's a god of detail and excellence and for us to say well it's just my personality you know i'm just not organized that has nothing to do with it you know and so these little things like what you say making the bed is like a spiritual thing now i'm not saying it's spiritual i'm just saying what's on the inside of you what are you what standard on the inside of you, are you willing to live with that's just good enough? That's good. What are you doing when nobody's watching? Colossians chapter 3, you turn there. You know, as I as I've gone as I've grown in my relationship with the Lord, there are things now that I don't accept that I used to accept. Yeah. You know, there are things now I don't do that I used to do. Right. You know, and it used to be I would do things because I didn't want to get in trouble. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You do it. You do it because you. I don't. I don't want to get yelled at. But as I got closer to the Lord, there were things that He deposited on the inside of me that where my standards began to come up because His standards. Because the one that lives on the inside of me, He's he's ultimately who I'm comparing myself to. Well, how do I walk in love? What's the standard by which I walk in love? Well, I didn't hit them. Right? I didn't cuss them. I didn't, you know... Wave at them with the one finger. (laughs) Right? So, it's this thing on the inside of us that God begins to change. And that's why, you know, in this end times revival, we'll see people come into the church where, you know, I remember I get, I led this guy to the Lord and, and it wasn't long after that, you know, where a cuss word flew out of his mouth we had just let, it, let him to the Lord, you know. Well, God's the one that's going to begin to change the inside. Yeah. Where things, standards that he used to accept, and y'all know, where, you know, things grow. Your standards become higher. And in Colossians chapter 3, 
verse. Uh, does anybody have the message Bible? Uh, verse 23, it says, verse 22, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So when we're doing something, whatever it is, if it's being a husband, if it's being a father, if it's being uh, in this scripture, a bond servant or a worker, that we're doing this as unto the Lord. How? Because of doing the very best you can with the gifts and talents and abilities God's given us to the glory of God. Right. So in every area, whatever we're doing. Yes. Now, uh, do you have the message up or anybody? Read, read it, will you? What well, you're told by your earthly masters. And don't do, just do the minimum. That will get you Wait, say that again. And don't and don't just do the minimum. Don't just do the minimum. That will get you by. That will get you by. Keep going. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The southern servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> so read that again about the servant that does what kind of work? Shoddy work. The, the southern servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. The servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Go ahead. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. So the the idea of I get paid the same no matter what, just like everybody else, would not apply to those that are having an excellent spirit. So other words for excellence... A synonym, synonyms would be surpass, exceed, outdo, transcend, and go beyond. A friend of mine, um, whose son, he's he's now in his mid twenties. He's married, you know. Um, he's a pilot for uh, Dr. Barclay now. But when he first got out of high school, he got a job, and, and uh, he had to unload these pallets. And then organize what was on the pallet. Well, a worker in a day was doing doing about six pallets a day. Well, he came in and uh, began to work at it, and he was getting to where he was meeting those standards to do six pallets a day, and that's what they were expecting. But as he began to pray in the Holy Spirit, and as he began to ask the Lord, Lord, help me be the most productive uh, bond servant that I can be, or worker that I can be, and show me ways that I can be more efficient and do a better job. Well, he began, his, his work began to improve. And so he would come in, he would do eight pallets in a day. He would come in and do nine pallets. He would come in and do 12. Until he was doing 18 pallets, where the guy before him was doing six. So what does that say? So 
guess who got that? Guess who uh, his his attention he got? The boss's attention. So the boss came down and said, "Show me how you're getting 18 pallets unloaded and, and loaded, you know, and organized when we were only getting six. So he was doing three times what the other person was doing. Show me how you're doing that." And he showed it. That moved him from from that entry level position into the boss's office as his personal assistant. Why? Because he went to the Lord and said, Lord, show me how I can, you know, be productive and and be excellent in what I'm doing. Even though, Lord, I know that you didn't create me to unload this pallet. As I'm making $12 an hour unloading this pallet, you know, it wasn't in my heart, some dream in my heart. Oh, what do you want to be one day? Well, I want to work in a factory and make $12 an hour and unload pallets. Yeah. What kid says that? You know, but he asked God for help. The Lord gave him wisdom, and he was more productive at work, which made the boss more money, which promoted him to the yeah. boss's office. So... Excellence is to surpass, exceed, outdo, transcend, transcend, go beyond. You know, we could talk about uh, here on the grounds. You know, if you if you have a, a, a helping out anywhere on the grounds, you know that this is God's property. So we want to do things the most excellent way that we can concerning God's property. And I'll, I'll venture to say that um, when you, for, for, for maybe people that, don't, that aren't involved, you know, with helping out here at the church in some way, if you'll get involved and start doing some of that, you'll see some of these other things in your life that concern you start taking care of themselves Amen. because you've committed yourself to the house of the Lord. Amen. There's a scripture that says... Um, it's better, it's better to be a, a, a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I see, you know, someone that's a doorkeeper, that someone that has an excellent spirit as a doorkeeper would, would be like, Lord, every time that I shake a person's hand, Lord, I believe that your anointing goes in them to, to seek out and destroy whatever's going on in their life, that they need healing in their body. I remember it really blessed me, you know, Alan talking about how he would get out there on the street and, and talk about how he would uh, pray angels that would guard and protect our property and that the presence of God would be in the parking lot. So as people drove on the, into the parking lot, that the presence of God would get on them and, and the presence of God coming in so strong, starting in the parking lot, and that they walk in the doors and that, that demons would have to flee, that demons would go out of people as they fall on the floor because the presence of God, why? Because, because that man took his ministry in the house of God so serious. To do his very best, you know. To go exceeding, to outdo, to transcend, to go beyond. Well, th- we know that this is our God because in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, so, so that's exceeding or outdoing. Abundantly, that's more than enough. Above all. So we serve a God that is, that is excellent. 
We serve a God that goes exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Amen. So He's not a God of good enough. Right? And so He's put that on the inside of us. And whatever we're doing, it doesn't matter. God wants us to go from good to great. There's always another level. Even the great ones. I mean, you talk about uh, guys like, you know, uh, Michael Jordan or some of these guys that, that were top in their field, they were constantly working on their, you know, Michael Jordan was constantly working on his game. He was very athletic. Well, then he began to develop an outside shot. Then as he got older where he couldn't go around people fast enough, he began to develop a turnaround fadeaway. He was always another level, always, you know, uh, uh, trying to exceed and outdo and transcend that which is normal. Let me just give you a couple other scriptures. Are you all okay? Genesis chapter 12. Now I want to get into, go, I want to go into this. What time is it right now? Okay. Am I, what time are we usually in? Eight? Seven minutes to do? No, you're good. Okay. Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And watch this. I will make you a good nation. Is that, is that what it says? What does it say? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name good. What does he say? Great. Bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Now, when that happens, if we turn over one chapter... Verse 1, Abram went from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot was with him to the south. Abram was very rich. Wow. Very rich. In livestock, silver, and in gold. And so, here Abram, uh, if we go on in in, uh, chapter 15... Abram's having this conversation with God because God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you what? Great, a great nation. And I'll make your name great. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this was God giving Abram uh, a word, right? So here in chapter 15, Abram is having conversation with God. Lord, he says, uh, after these things, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. You're exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? So what Abram's doing is having a conversation with God saying, God, you said that you would make me a great nation. You said. Now, I didn't say that. But you said. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves what God has said. And sometimes that's a conversation with God, but it's really a conversation with ourselves, Reminding ourselves what God has said, because God knows what He said. But we're going to be reminded what He said. And so He's saying, God, you said, you know, what shall you give me? And in uh, verse 3 it says, Then Abram said, Look, 
You've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So what Abram is saying is, look, I'm looking around, and I don't see any change. But there was a promise of God that God told Abram. And Abram was standing on the promise. Abram was believing the promise. But Abram had not seen change yet. And so the word of the Lord came to him again. This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So when we find ourselves in a place where we're standing on the promise of God, about something that's great. And we see no change. Then we have to go back and get a word from the Lord. First Timothy says that we are to uh, do warfare by the prophecies that have gone for you know, what's been spoken over us. So here, Abram's having this conversation. So what the Lord did with Abram, is he took him outside. So now we're going to go a little bit deeper into what God has said. Because Abram's thinking on this. He's meditating on the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to him and said, you're going to be great. So Abram's thinking about this. He's meditating on it. You know, I'm going to be a great nation. This is something promised to me by God. So he's going to God because he's believing this. And he wants to go deeper because he wants to see this manifested in his life. So God takes him outside for further revelation of this. And he says that, Look now toward heaven and count the stars. If you're able to number them, he said to them, So shall your descendants be. Count the stars to see if you're able to number them. And, And Abraham believed God. So what God was doing with Abram is saying, All right, go outside, look. Now imagine, picture this. And and Abram goes, It's a clear night. It's a full moon. He's out in the country. And the stars are everywhere. He looks up and there's nothing but stars. No way he could count all those stars. What was God doing? He was putting a picture in Abram's mind. Because what Abram's mind was telling him was I can only see this and I see no change. But what God was doing is saying, don't look at what you see here. Look at what you see here. This is what I promise you here. And this is what you need to put your eyes on. So now when Abram went out and, and, and put this picture in his head, when he would lay down to bed at night, he would think about it. And that picture was just etched in his head. Oh, man, look at those stars. Look at those stars. And it would get, it would, it would, he'd see this. He'd see it. So God gave him a new picture. It's the same word, but it's a new picture. So what was God doing? Is he was taking out this old thinking and renewing it with a picture was something that he had spoken. So, 
we go on. So, when there is no change, then the vision must change. In other words, what you're looking at must change. And we go back and we get, we, we uh, remember the word of the Lord. And then we go, we wake up in the morning, we have our cup of coffee, we pray, we read our Bible, and remember the word of the Lord. And we go to work, and we remember the word of the Lord. And as we're working, not a job that, you know, is our dream job, but believing that God wants us to prosper, believing for promotion, believing to have a business or whatever, we remember the word of the Lord. And then we get done with work and we go home and the wife says, oh good, I'm glad you're home. Here, you feed the kids. Here, you change their diapers because I've been with them all day. And we remember the word of the Lord. <laughs> Maybe. And we eat dinner. And we go to sleep. And the next day we wake up. And we remember the word of the Lord. And we read our Bible and we pray. And we remember the word of the Lord. And we go to work. And the boss is frustrated that day. And in fact, he yells at the whole company. But we remember the word of the Lord. (laughs) Until one day, that word of the Lord comes to pass. And it's not that Abram, you know, got this right away. In fact, he went down his own path to try to make this happen. But God didn't go with plan B. His word was still His word. That gives me hope. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. There's been times in my life where I said, Lord, am I living on plan B? Is it plan B now? Have I just completely messed up everything that you have for me? And I was thinking about this one day, and the Lord reminded me, of Peter, and in fact, his name was Simon. Jesus said to him, well, who do you say I am? And Peter had this revelation. You're Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, and you're Peter. And on this rock... This rock. Now I can't, I don't think Peter, when Jesus said that, I don't think Peter, Peter was thinking of a little pebble in his mind. I mean, I think when, when I think when Jesus says that, I think about the rock of Gibraltar. You ever seen pictures of that? I mean, the thing is just huge. On this rock, I'll build my church. And then Peter denied him three times. And I got to imagine that Peter was thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're some rock kicking himself. Here I had this great revelation of Jesus being the Son of the living God, and I denied him three times. 
Not once, not twice, three times. Oh yeah, you're a rock, Peter. I can see him having this conversation. To the point where he quit for a, season, for a time. Well, I'm going back to fishing. That's what he said. I'm going back to fishing. What was he saying? I'm going to go back to do what I used to do. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not any good at this, apparently. I mean, I, it's like I fail, and then I fail, and then I fail. But when Jesus comes back, he never addresses any of that. He says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Three times Jesus says it. Three times. He doesn't say, Peter, now I told you you denied me three times. But every time when, when, when God changed Abram's name, now Abram, you will now be called Abraham. So you remember the stars and that Abraham means father of many nations. To get him to what? To think different. To get him to think different. So I, I bet that time when Jesus was saying this, that Peter was thinking, oh yeah. Yeah, he said I was a rock. And then he goes, and the first sermon he preaches, all these people get saved. I mean, that's just... To come from where he came from to that, only God. But God is a master restorer. And we, the things, the times where we think we have completely messed up everything, God can take it and just do what He does and make it brand new. So, what words of the Lord? What words has God given you? What pictures do you see? Why is this important? Because what's on the inside of us is what we'll experience on the outside. Religion wants to change you from the outside. God's, God's working on you in here to change from the inside out. And then these things. See, an excellent spirit goes with pursuing God and growing in Him. I want to read this last scripture and then we'll we'll finish here. Romans chapter 12. Y'all know the scripture. It's about um, renewing your mind. And I want to read it to you in the message translation. So if you just listen. It says, don't be conformed to this world. Hang on. So here's what I I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, life, and place it before God as an offering. In other words, don't don't get in in such this routine that that your life becomes so mundane where the gifts and the callings and the abilities of God aren't being produced in your life. Because we must operate by faith to grow. And so it says, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become, watch this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down. Well, you think you're better than us? You think you're, oh, oh, you, oh, okay, you're not, you're not good enough, you know. (laughs) Oh, you're too good for us now. Oh, look at you with your, with your clothes and, oh, you want to get this place over here and you want to get this car. Look at you, you're too good for us now. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So we renew our minds to... I want you to just close your eyes for a second. And I want you to think about the things that God has spoken over you, the things that He says in His Word about us, the things that He declares about us that we're loved, that we're free, that we're sons, that we're redeemed, we're sanctified, that we're righteous, that we're light that we're the temples of God, that we're seated with Christ, that we've been made alive, that we're new creatures. We've been born again. We're made in His image and in His likeness. We have His DNA, that we're blessed, that we're kings, that we're overcomers, that we're chosen, that we're more than conquerors, that we're gifted, we're empowered, we're authorized to use the name of Jesus. We've been given dominion. To, to speak God's word and to change circumstances and situations. This doesn't sound to me like we're normal or ordinary. God's put greatness on the inside of us. Not so that we can be great, but so that we can make the world great. For Him. For His glory. Because greatness produces greatness. So, Father, we remember these things. We remember what you've spoken over us. That verse about comparing themselves with it, it's because these people were comparing themselves about who is is the best preacher, who knew more or whatever. And Paul was saying things by the Spirit of God according to who God said he was. So they said about him, well, you think you're better than us. No, by the Spirit of God, he was declaring who he was. And speaking those things. So Father, we say, stand stand with me. Father, we say, we say we're kings tonight. Because you say we're kings. We say we're overcomers. Because you say we're overcomers. We say we're more than conquerors. Because you say we're more than conquerors. Father, you, we are warriors. You put this warrior fighting spirit on the inside of us. And Father, we will not be run over by the devil. Lord, we take a stand tonight according to the authority and power that you've given us. And we say, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us will be condemned. Because that is our heritage. 
And that's our right as a child of God. We thank you for it tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you right now that you're putting in us a, a determination to never quit, to never give up. Lord, we know how this is going to end. We win, the devil loses. So, Father, we look up tonight. We look up. We look at the stars. Lord, we... Father, I I pray, Lord, for the visions and the words that you placed on the inside of these men. Lord, will come to their... You'll quicken that to their spirit. And, Father, if they've never had that, Father, I pray that they will have dreams and visions as they lay down. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, the things that have been buried deep on the inside of them. Lord, I pray that you bring that to the surface by your anointing tonight. Thank you, Jesus. The callings of God. The callings of God. Thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus, that washes us and cleanses us. Lord, thank you that you forgive us of all of our sin. And and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I thank you that your word washes our minds. Lord, that that the memories that the devil keeps bringing up, Father God, that the the vision would overtake those memories. Thank you. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you. Father, I thank you for anointing tonight for husbands to be husbands to their wives as you've designed. To be fathers to their children as you've designed. In Jesus' name. Lord, and we thank you for restoration. Let you make everything brand new. We thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. When God restores, He doesn't just slap a coat of paint on it. He makes it brand new. So we give you praise tonight. We give you praise. We give you praise tonight, Lord. We give you praise tonight. We give you praise. We give you praise. We lift our voice to you tonight, Father. We give you praise. No one else defines me. No one else defines me. But you define me. You define us, Father. We thank you for it. They can say what they want, but they can't put us in a box. Because with you, God, there's no borders. There's no limits. 
So we believe for that tonight. We believe for that tonight in Jesus' name. We give you praise for that. We bless your name tonight, Father. Give you praise. Oh, Father, we thank you for that word tonight. Thank you. It's a room full of Daniels. Amen. Daniel had an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. Hallelujah. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it's in the Amplified, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a dedicated nation. You're God's own purchased special people. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that thought. We're this royal priesthood, this chosen generation. But then it says this, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds, display the virtues, and perfections of him. Now, now hear that. So we can celebrate that we're this royal priesthood, this chosen generation, but it's for a reason. And it says this, it says that we may set forth the wonderful deeds. Display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his light. Meaning, meaning there should be something that as I'm this holy nation, this royal people, there should be something in my life that someone recognizes that is displaying his virtues. I'm telling you, you know, you, you have Jesus on the inside of you, so therefore you should be displaying the virtues of Jesus. We should be displaying the virtues of him. You know, every, like, like Eric said, everything in heaven is perfect. It's detailed down in those things. And, and there's times in my life where I remember I would be prophesying about, hey, this is, I'm going to live in this type of house. I'm going to, I'm going to have this type of car and I'm going to have this, these types of things. And, and I, I'd sit there and I'd, I'd look it around and I'm like a couch potato, you know, it's kind of like Al Bundy and I'm sitting back and yeah, I'm going to have this house and I'm going to have that. But I look around and, and I'm not taking care of what I have. You know, and, and so the thing is, is we want excellent things, but the thing is, it, ta- it requires excellence in our lives. And, and the thing is, is, hey, I'm telling you, you can prophesy, you can confess, and you can say all those things in place, but until, until you start bringing, bringing, beside, bringing yourself under the word, that's when you'll start seeing all those other things. It's beyond just a confession. But it also, because the thing is, is, is you could have a million-dollar home, but then do you realize that a that million-dollar home, now you're going to have to pay $25,000 a year in taxes? You know, so, so the thing is, it's more than just having this or having those things. It requires, it begins here. It begins here. It's the same thing with Abraham. To be that great nation, it, it, was, it had to begin here. It had to begin on the inside of you. And that's what I hear the Lord saying to Eric tonight. And, and, and you as men, you are excellent men. You don't feel down about yourself. Don't feel down about yourself with where you are currently or where you have been in the past. You see yourself tonight as an excellent man. I see you as your pastor. I see you as an excellent man. Excellent men. And I declare you're coming up in every area of your life. When you get home at night, and, and you wake, or you wake up in the morning, you sit in your home, ask yourself, what, are, what adjustments can I make today? What adjustments can I make? I'm not going to tell you what adjustments you need to make. That, you know, because then it, then it turns into some sort of role or some sort of, no. You ask the Lord, what adjustments do I need to make today to take me there? You know, I've heard people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the gospel all over the world, but, but yet they're, they're not, they don't even have a, have a personal time with God. 
They don't even have a personal time with God. They're not even serving in a local church. They're not, yeah, they're going to church, but they're not serving. I mean, people, hey, I'm called to preach, but you're not even ushering. You won't even work in the parking lot. You won't even pick up a broom, and you want to preach the gospel. Come on. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to use you. If you go to Ben Tankard, a guy I know, a friend of mine, he's a professional jazz musician, and he pastors in Nashville. He requires everyone in his church no matter how talented they are, they may have come. They might be a Nashville recording recording artist, and because he's close to Nashville, and like he's he's got Grammys, and um, he's got amazing testimony. But you have to work. You have to serve in the parking lot for at least three months before you can serve anywhere else in the church. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You, you may you might have a Dove Award, and you're gonna you're gonna work in the parking lot. What? But that? But what? What is it? It's it's learning the excellence. It's learning the things that requires w- w- that God's kingdom operates in. Amen. Thank you, Eric, for that word tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. I see excellence in you. Amen. Now, I was when I talk about people not serving. I'm not talking about any of you. I'm just you. You are. You are faithful. You are. Now, if you were convicted, then you just go, go with the Lord with it, you know. But, but, but the thing is, is I'm, I'm telling you, we're coming up as a church and in every area. Amen. We're not going to break up into small groups tonight. I just believe that the Spirit of God ministered to each one of us exactly what we needed to receive tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Hallelujah. Does anybody have a, a, a specific prayer request that we can, we can stand with you on? I know we already prayed about finances and those things, anything with healing or anything. Then you just slip your hand up right where you are. Anyone? Ronnie? Hallelujah. Eric, turn around and just pray for Ronnie. Philip, get behind him as well. Hallelujah. Father, we release our faith over Ronnie tonight. I thank you that as two or three are gathered, there you are. And so I declare right now the life of God is flowing through Ronnie right now from the top of his head going down to the soles of his feet and you're ministering life to him. Your life is flowing into his body right now. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I declare no condemnation over you. No condemnation over you. Hallelujah. I see God working in each heart in this place. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just a couple announcements before we dismiss. This coming weekend, we're going to be, um, we're getting ready for our minister's conference next week. We have about 200 ministers coming in from out of town um, that we oversee. And we don't, you know, we don't advertise anything like those particular things. But it's a, it's an intimate thing, intimate setting that Dr. Swell gets to impart to you know, um, people that have brought their ministries under his. And, um, and so we just want to make sure that we are, we have an excellent facility, excellent things going on. So we appreciate all the help. We cleaned this place up a couple weeks ago, but this coming Saturday, we're going to be working on our, our, our youth building. Uh, that's from 10 to one. Um, but also we're, we're we want to also clean up the, 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 di- the ditches <laughs> on both sides. we we did it back as a staff. We did it back in the spring. We've, We've done it one year. I got poison ivy up all up my arms and all that. So, you know, but uh, but anyway, um, I know now you really want to do it, don't you? <laughs> but it's, it's not that time of year, you know. It's not that time of year. So we're all gonna just make sure we're long sleeves and we and and and, glo- and bring gloves. But um, but the same thing. We'll be we'll be um, cleaning out the ditches 
and picking up all the trash and and we'll be praying for all those nice people that drive down Old Cleburne Crowley Junction and throw trash out and and uh, believe that they'll have a revelation to take care of Texas. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so and encourage you if you get it, come out and help us uh, with that. Uh, whether it's cleaning the youth building or working with us, the more people we have, uh, the quicker we get it done. Vic's, Vic's been out there and has and helped us. Philip Pollard uh, he came out there. Really, uh, we, we were going to do it one day. Oh, he, he, he know he doesn't want any praise, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it came out and he had already had it half done before we got out there. And so I know you don't do that to be seen, Philip, but. Um, but anyway, just to appreciate those that have helped us in the past, but we'll be out here Saturday working in the youth building and that from 10 to one. So amen. Uh, anybody think, Jeremiah, is there anything else we may aware of? Uh, a biker Sunday is a Sunday. Uh, also don't forget worship night is next Wednesday night as well. Um, it's always a powerful time with our worship team and, and a great time. So other than that, love y'all. And, uh, before we dismiss, let's try, let's try to get here in the center. And we're gonna do a we're gonna do a one two three give him Jesus when we believe is that all, is that all right, you know let's come in here, hallelujah, you know some I've I always that's what our worship team's album they're working on is gonna be called give him Jesus and and it's something I say to any time we pray and start Sunday mornings I always say give him Jesus so hallelujah so Father we thank you for the word that we heard tonight and I thank you for the men of heritage I thank you they're strong men they're prosperous men they're gifted men. They're anointed men. They hear your voice and a stranger's voice they don't follow. I thank you that you have created them for influence. Influence is on the inside of them. And we thank you for it. So one, two, three. Give them Jesus!